Hey guys, you can now support this show and make your life 50% better by going to patreon.com forward slash the system is down and signing up for the Downers Club, where you're going to get access to a plethora of wild, crazy, and often offensive bonus audio and video episodes of the show on a weekly basis. For more information, just go to patreon.com forward slash the system is down. The following is a Goulash Media production. Goulashmedia.net Welcome to the system is down. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the show. The question of the day is, is there a point where technology could possibly go too far? Is there a point where we as a human civilization could take technology that we created and push it past our own understanding to the point that uh, we can't control it, to the point where we're not pushing anymore? It's dragging us into the future, which kind of leaves us as a an afterthought behind. Um, is that a possibility? Is there a point where technology goes too far? So what's up, Downers? Welcome back to the least comfortable show on the web. The system is down. You know what it is. This is the place where we talk about all the uncomfortable topics, things like conspiracies, politics, and religion, all the things that get people all riled up, the things that most people avoid talking about. And today, today's episode is my conversation with the great and very interesting Zoltan Istvan. And I I think that's how you pronounce his name. I could be completely wrong, and I probably am. That's why I'll say it quickly so you don't notice that I'm completely wrong. But uh, Zoltan, if you're familiar with his work, you you already know what he's all about and what we're talking about. He's big into the transhumanism movement. Um, the, the transhumanism movement, I mean, this is all explained in the episode, so I won't dig into it too deeply, but it's just talking about cyborgs, basically, just using technology to enhance human life and just make us bigger, better, more awesome, uh, beings in the world. Um, and there's a lot of implications of that. There's a lot of questions as to how far this goes. And we dug into a lot of that. Um, so we'll jump into that here in just about 35 seconds. But before we do, I got to remind you guys that, hey, it's Monday. You know what that means. It means that the, you know, the episodes where I interview very interesting people like Zoltan comes out first thing in the morning. And this evening, we have our anti-news live uh, show that we do as a live broadcast that you can call into and share your topics, share your thoughts and whatever. And we just talk about all the current events and things that are happening in the world, all the quote unquote news stories, and we give our own dark comedic twist on it. So if you want to tune into that live, it'll be tonight at nine o'clock Central Standard Time. And afterwards, we do the after party for members of the Downers Club. So check that out. And there'll be more information at the end of this show in the tag where I talk about the Downers Club and all that crap, the stuff that you probably already know about and have, you know, fast-forwarded through several times before. But if you want to know more about the Downers Club and how you can get in there and get involved... Stick around to the end. I also have to give a big shout out to our sponsor, the 29 Toes Podcast, which is the polar opposite of this show. Uh, They don't touch on these uncomfortable conversations. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. Here and there. I've been on the show and we definitely touched on it at that point. But uh, typically the 29 Toes Podcast is just a chill, laid back uh, podcast show where uh, three guys drink beers and talk about dude stuff like movies and music and Uh, You know, things that are happening in their lives, video games, stuff like that. Just fun, laid back conversations. They just let it flow and it's 
fantastic show. So go check out the 29 Toes podcast, wherever podcasts are sold. You won't regret it. All right, let's jump into this. This is my conversation with the very interesting and very informative Zoltan Istvan on transhumanism. Let's get weird. My guest today is a futurist, public speaker, entrepreneur, author, journalist, transhumanist, 2016 presidential candidate, and 2018 gubernatorial candidate of California, Zoltan Istvan. Zoltan. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. Am I am I getting your name correctly? You are, but you know it, it's irrelevant. <laughs> you can say it any way you like. Sure. I, I, I've listened to a couple of interviews you've been on, and it's always a little bit different every single time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I know that you don't have a whole lot of time tonight. And I really appreciate you giving me the little bit of time that you have. So we'll just jump right into it. Um, for those that are familiar with your work, it will come as no surprise as to what we're talking about. It's uh, you know the the transhumanism movement. So uh, you're you're a big proponent of this, and uh, why don't we start off by why don't you just give me uh, a quick um, a quick definition of what transhumanism is and a quick explanation of it? Yeah, absolutely. So transhumanism is a international social movement of tens of millions of people now that want to use radical science and technology to uh, upgrade the human being and upgrade the human experience. I mean, anything it can be anything from exoskeleton suits to um, brain implants to even things just like simple things like driverless cars. But whatever it is, it's radical technology that is modifying the human being kind of in a radical way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's it's birthplace, or at least its heart, is really in Silicon Valley in California where I live. Okay. So, so what first got you into this topic and being so passionate about it? Well, I think anyone that's been, you know, into interested in science fiction as a child or like I have, is definitely going to be interested in transhumanism. They go kind of hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's happened, I think, is you know, 25, 30 years ago, when I was a younger person, I did read science fiction. This stuff was still science fiction. But a lot of this stuff today is actually becoming real very quickly. Mm-hmm. The idea that you might cut off an arm and put on a bionic arm, and that bionic arm might actually be better than your real arm, is probably within a decade's time away from having a bionic arm that's simply better than the than the flesh arm, and um, you know what's what once was science fiction now is becoming this kind of transhumanist reality. So those mm-hmm. are kind of like classic examples of I think things that are happening in our everyday lives. Yeah, absolutely. So um, to clarify, this isn't. I, I mean, we hear all the time in the media about uh, AI and robots and stuff like that. We're, we're not talking here so much about. Like R2-D2, we're talking about Darth Vader and, you know, like improving your yourself instead of making new life. Well, transhumanism is kind of across the spectrum. You know, it's this umbrella term for can be artificial intelligence, can also be robotics, can be genetic editing, can be uh, cyborgism, can be singulitarianism. This idea of like this far out idea where computers become so smart that our human brains can't even understand them. It's all across the spectrum. But, you know, for to keep people grounded because science fiction is so fun Mm -hmm. i try to stay in what's going to happen in the next 10 to 15 years and what's going to happen the next 10 to 15 years is we will have brain implants that allow us to communicate directly with machine intelligence we will have robotic arms that are more functional than our biological arms Um, we will have driverless cars that drive us all over the place and we will have robots that do our dishes and, and you know wash our clothes 
that's within a 15 year window, virtually guaranteed, unless you know some kind of civil, uh, you know, uh, I guess strife or war happens or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's the trajectory right now of the microprocessor. So we will have those things. Um, so I try to stay with that. But the reality is, like, if you take it 50 years out, you have all sorts of things like artificial intelligence that's a million times smarter than human beings. Mm-hmm. And what does that even look like? Well, you know, again, we don't even we can't really understand that because our our brains are three pounds of meat. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, we have our certain amount of connections, but we're going to be able to create an intelligence that's a lot smarter than our brains probably here within a decade or two decades, and certainly within five decades' time, that artificial intelligence is going to be so different and so much smarter than human beings that that's a whole different world. And it's, it's all part of transhumanism, mm-hmm. but you start getting into a, a, a reality that we can't even really understand because it's just out of the realm of our, our brain power. Right. Yeah, and I'm sure you get this question a lot, but like, how far does this go? Where does it end? Is there a cutoff point? Is there a time where we say, let's not let this be the Matrix or Terminator or iRobot or all these all these Hollywood depictions of it? Well, you know, and this is the this is the the most important question of our time. And I think um, everybody has to ask themselves, how far do they want to go with technology? Now, I advocate for a world where we would merge with machines. I think evolution is wonderful, and I I would like the capabilities of a machine intelligence in my brain that allows me the computational power that's dramatically more than the human my human brain can do. I want the idea that I might have 200 senses instead of just five. I want the idea to be able to live in virtual worlds and augmented worlds and outer worlds and all these other things. But I understand that, you know, we live in a very, you know, religious nation, quite conservative mm-hmm. as well. Sure. A lot of people aren't going to go for that. A lot of people will think modifying the human body too much, like let's say beyond pacemakers and beyond artificial hips, is blasphemy. So we have this great civil rights conundrum about to hit us, hit reality, as we wonder how far do we take science. But the great question at hand really is, okay, let's say America decides it doesn't want to go down that path as a, as a somewhat religious nation, but China decides to go down that path because they're a secular nation and they start creating genetically modified human beings and those human beings are dramatically smarter and stronger and they win every Olympian gold because of it, you know, because they can throw the javelin five times longer because they have a genetically modified arm that is literally, you know, super, super strong. Well, I think everybody has to, you know, take a very realistic look. It's not just America that's dictating these things. This is science. And um, there are almost 8 billion people on the planet, and some people want to move forward. And then there's also the capitalistic side of things, just in economics. You know, um, Silicon Valley, it's not a surprise that the largest companies in the world now are all technology companies. And you can expect that to continue. And those companies are pushing, um, you know, the bounds of transhumanism. Your iPhone may not seem like transhumanism to you, but... 10 or 15 years ago, it definitely would. The right. idea we would be Skyping with everybody and and soon the iPhone would be shrinking and eventually it's going to be just in our, <laughs> either attached to our head or in our heads. I mean, this this is a reality all these companies, Google and Apple, are working on. And it's definitely part of a 10 or 15 year future. So I think everyone has to make that personal choice. I call it a transhumanist wager. How far do you want to take technology in your lives? And it's going to be such an interesting time over the next 10 years to really explore that as a society. And there will be demonstrations, there's going to be clashes, there's going to be civil strife. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not going to be an easy road. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And, and I mean, as, as things progress, uh, I mean, I was just processing, listening to some of your other interviews today, processing some of it, like trying to think it out to conclusions. And it's like, if we all have, you know, these robot bodies and we can get the bigger and better robot bodies bigger and better. And, you know, uh, how far does that go before it's like these robot giants that are just <laughs> wandering around that have, you know, human brains somewhere inside it. Um, I, I mean, is in all of this, is this about uh, preserving humanity and, you know, the human, or is it uh, about progressing humanity onto its next evolution? Well, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, I, I would, I definitely advocate for preserving the very best parts of humanity. I mean, you know, we came, we overcame the idea of slavery and things like that for a very good reason. You know, we want to be better humans. We want to retain our humanity. We want to be kind towards one another and equal towards one another. Mm -hmm. Um, we need to preserve all that through the transhumanist age. I think that's imperative, but, um, does that mean we can still get in bigger machine bodies and merge with AIs? I think the answer is yes, but in no way would I want to leave the, uh, you know, leave behind the actual great truths that humanity has arrived at. I think we want to take that with us and move into the what we might call transhumanity, the next age. And there's going to be great truths in the transhumanist age too. Um, you know, it, it, there's concepts like the hive mind where everybody's jacked into one another and. A lot of people hate that because it, it lacks privacy, right. but it also is much more of a maybe a communal environment, an environment where we are much more loving with our brothers and sisters, per se. Something that could almost be taken as almost religious in the sense that we really care about one another. We empathize with them. But, you know, again, this is um, the, the, we're, we're talking about these giant leaps right. where people all of a sudden are like, wait a sec, you're going <laughs> to cut off your arm. Right. let alone like all of us being jacked into one another all the times and having zero privacy. Yet that's that's probably what machine intelligence would do on a very functional level is communicate with everybody. And if we're jacked into that, we're going to communicate. And yet that's the promise of the transhumanist age, very mind-bending ideas, very revolutionary in terms of ethics and philosophy. And yet... Um, very progressive and not progressive in a political sense. I mean, progressive in an evolutionary sense, probably mm -hmm. more functional for us to find happiness, love, um, understanding of ourselves. And also just this idea of, you know, the great thing about transhumanism is also the outer, uh, you know, the exploration of the, the galaxy. You know, it's not just going to be staying on planet Earth. It's uh, we're changing our bodies to go elsewhere. And I think that's um, those are amazing an amazing promise. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now you talked about privacy concerns and from the very ground level up to the highest point, that would obviously be an issue. And um, I mean, people have problems with, you know, microchipping or even having a chip in your credit card that can be tracked and stuff like that. Um, so how do you how do people get past that hurdle of or should they should that be a concern of theirs? Well, it absolutely should be. And of course, as a libertarian minded person, it's a concern mm -hmm. of mine. But I also think if you actually take a look at the historic patterns of privacy, privacy didn't emerge until really a thousand years ago. And kind of with the bourgeois crowd, all of a sudden, wealthier people demanded privacy, put up fences on their properties, private property got established. And privacy as a, as a philosophical concept really hit its shrine last 100 to 200 years. And now we seem to think it's very built in. And all of a sudden, technology 
is very quickly breaking it down. The idea that we're on Facebook and anyone can see us on Facebook unless we actually put our thing on pure privacy. But very few people do that. Right. Most people don't wouldn't even know how. Right. They just get on and they're like, oh, OK, you know. And I think slowly technology is breaking down our boundaries of privacy. What's very important to me is that a lot of the startups are able to counter Google and Facebook and these mega corporations and come up with software that allow people that want to remain private to remain entirely private. And also, I think if we're going to lose our own privacy, we damn well better make sure the government loses their sense of sure. privacy. I've advocated for cameras on all police officers. It's like, I don't want to be arrested and some cop give me a hard time. I want to know that he's under the camera too. Right. You know, it's not just me under his surveillance. He's being surveyed too. That's the way to keep fairness through the system in a world without privacy. But, you know, again, it's not something that can happen overnight and it's going to be challenging for all people involved. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, um, you, you're an atheist, correct? Well, I, I well, I, I play the atheist part uh, sure. <laughs> just because I think religion has done a lot of damage. Sure. But in, in all honesty, I'm an agnostic. I, sure. I, I, would, I think anyone that says they know for sure whether they're a believer or an atheist mm -hmm. is, is just denying rationalism and I rationality. I, I, you know, I do, I'm just an agnostic. But I play the atheist card because I think it's important that you know our entire Congress, our president, our vice president, and all nine Supreme Court justices – these, this idea, well, soon to be, all this idea, they're all religious. And I think it's strong, it's important in terms of cultural perspective to have some people that aren't all on the bandwagon. Some people that might say maybe this didn't stem from a religious point of view or a theological point of view or from God. So, yeah, I, I, I'll go ahead and on the record say, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm an atheist, but sure. um, understanding that philosophical premise. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just the easier explanation uh, to just throw it out. There. Of course. <laughs> just like I'm a Christian and that's just the easiest way to explain it. But <laughs> I'm curious if you believe in like uh, the existence of the soul or anything like that, or if that, if any of that can be lost in this, this type of transition. Well, I, you know, it's, it's strange because I've written a number of articles re recently, most mostly focusing on quantum archaeology. Mm -hmm. Quantum archaeology is this really strange concept of the idea that you would be able to, with already we have supercomputers on planet Earth today that can do 200 trillion calculations per second. Mm -hmm. Think about that. 200, I'm sorry, it's 200,000 trillion calculations per second. And at some point in the future, we're probably going to be able to reverse engineer certain parts of our universe, sure. little parts, like our parts were on Earth. And with 3D bioprinting coming up, you know, already accelerating an exponential level, there's a good chance in 50 or 100 years we'll be able to reprint entire human beings. So my articles explain that there is the possibility in the transhumanist era, and there's a bunch of transhumanists that support this, so kind of on the fringe. They think they want to bring back every single living person who has ever lived. Um, and, of course, some transhumanists want to print back everybody, including print back Jesus, if such a thing was possible, if Jesus was not God, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. But How about Hitler? They're going to print him back too? <laughs> well, so th there's a whole bunch of Jewish people that want to reprint Hitler to make Hitler suffer, uh, suffer um, under like a kind of like a, 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 a justice system where he would go to prison 
um, for, I guess, eternity or however long. <laughs> so there's actually people that would so like they, to they probably justice. think he's in hell, but they want to bring him back to make him suffer more than hell. <laughs> well, so, you know, it, it, again, it depends on your religion. If you're an atheist sure. and you don't believe, you think yep. Hitler got out easily. Right. He's just, you know, being eaten white worms. They actually want to bring him back. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a little malicious, yeah. but I understand the sense of justice. But this these ideas are so religious. Quantum archaeology is a very religious idea because in many ways it talks about the technological resurrection, which in, in many ways is sort of what I think a lot of Christians believe in. It's not technological. It's just a resurrection that's powered by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, in a transhumanist way, we're powering it through human intervention or human innovation. And of course, there's plenty of Christian transhumanists with that, who would then say, well, any innovation that came to transhumanists came through the grace of God. Right. So in many ways, there's this great bridge happening between radical science and Christianity. I actually used to be quite, you know, banging the table saying, oh, it's it's atheism, atheism, atheism all along. Mm-hmm. But lately I've been like, you know what? If we really look into quantum archaeology, it might actually be the second coming. It could be something that's done by Jesus. Uh, I mean, who am I to judge? I'm not sure. that smart. Yeah. The point of the story, though, is it, it's got a lot of Christian transhumanists involved, Mormon transhumanists too, and other religious transhumanists saying, you know, this might be the great merger of the two worlds. Now, again, I'm not saying that's how it's going to happen. I'm just, as a philosopher, saying this is what a lot of different groups are thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I got to say, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I find it very fascinating just to, just just pondering the possibilities and things like that. And um, in another interview that uh, I heard you talking on, uh, you said something to the effect of, and I'm, I'm probably correct me if I'm wrong, but it was something to the effect of we should take this technology to its fullest extent up to about 95% of human capabilities and then cut it off at 95%. Um, at, at Well, I mean, my question to that, if you still believe that, is like, what's stopping these these smart, intelligent people whose brains are getting more powerful by the second from, you know, pushing it? Uh, just five, ten more percent, so that they can be the person who wiped out humanity and go down in history. <laughs> well, so you know, look. Uh, as much as I'm an optimist or techno optimist with this stuff, mm-hmm. I'm also the the same person who's always said I think it'd be a bad choice to give artificial intelligence unlimited power. Sure. We need a very, very good, a very strong kill switch built into AI. Because let's just be honest. If you look at you know history human history, it's littered with wars and tragedies and crime mm-hmm. and a great amount of inhumanity. If anything, it's taught me is that we talk a great game, but we play a terrible game, <laughs> a very dirty game. Yeah. And we've been bad all along, like you said, with Hitler and all these other things. And yes, the good has prevailed most of the time, but it's it's already bad enough. We have to go through a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think... Um, with that in mind, we have to be very careful. And um, if that means a little bit of regulation, I hate to say this as a libertarian, but if that <laughs> means a little bit of regulation, it might be okay, given the idea that we're playing with fire in a real sense. Right. I mean, the thing, like AI is, is a much larger life-changing thing for planet Earth than, than nuclear weaponry is. Right. People just don't really get it. Like you could have an AI emerge from Google's uh, headquarters today and it could shut down every single light system in the world, every single water system, every single uh, energy plant. I mean, it could send us back to the dark ages. Let's just say if it chose to do so. Sure. So we need to be careful with this. And um, 
I don't know if it's regulation from the government, but it, it somebody sensible who has an understanding of history has to step in and say, let us be very careful. This time, we really are playing with some of the ultimate powers out there. Um, if we make a mistake, we could do uh, not just harm to you know a country, but right. harm to the entire civilization. Hey, Dan Smots here. I'm taking a second to interrupt myself talking to talk about myself because, you know, I don't get paid a penny for the hours and hours that I put into creating this show for you guys in your greedy little ears. And I've got a family to feed. To make that happen, I run my own media business called Goulash Media. If you have a need in anything from video production to graphic design to audio production and beyond, you can get it all for a painfully fair price at Goulash Media. In video, I do weddings, music videos, commercials, pageants, plays, etc., etc., etc. For design, I do photo editing, album art, logos, branding, business cards, merchandise, you name it. For audio, I do engineering, production, editing, jingles, and, well, podcasts. So if you've got a media need of any kind, or if you'd just like to give a little something back and help keep my children fed, check out all the endless options at my website, goulashmedia.net. That's goulash, G-O-U-L-A-S-H, media.net, where we cater to the little guy with the big vision. <sighs> okay. I mean, anytime we get new advanced technology, it seems like, I, I feel like this goes without saying, but it seems like the first thing that we do is weaponize it. And I mean, what's stopping this from being like, you know, who, whatever country, you know, really gets their claws into this first, they're just going to make super soldiers who control the world. So, you know, you heard Putin like two months ago say, Putin said the future is artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've done some consulting with the United States Navy. There is there are billions of dollars going into it. Everybody realizes that artificial intelligence is a global security issue and that if, let's say, one country achieved it first and then sent viruses to all the other countries, that would change the, the global political landscape over, mm -hmm. overnight. And it's not just AI. It's genetic editing. The idea that you might have super soldiers created that, as we talked about, the javelin throw in a transhumanist Olympics, mm -hmm. some Chinese – you know, have genetic editing applied to them, and they're just like eight feet tall, super strong, super smart, and there's a million of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just, you know, these things are, we're entering an era when through either genetic editing, AI, or robotics, we're able to create all sorts of incredible um, war machines. And of course, the military's leading the for you know, the front. The military has always leaded the transhumanist movement. I, we don't want to say that. I don't want to admit that. It's sure. not a great – I'm not a big war guy at all, and I'm not a big fan of the military. In fact, I often in my campaigns ask for them to downsize themselves and say that would be the biggest campaign promise I can make is we take <laughs> money from the military and put it into healthcare and to science and things sure. that matter. But the reality is they've been leading the charge, and they'll probably continue to do so, but that's that's dangerous business. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. Um uh, another point that uh, I heard you make was uh, talking about, you know, we can improve humanity, like we can take people out of prisons and we can just, you know, wipe their brain clean. If they're like a murderer, criminal or something like that, we can take that part out of their brain and throw it away. Um, I mean, of course, that's a slippery slope. Like who's deciding who like which thoughts are too bad to leave in and are OK to take out if it's detrimental to society based on their opinions? Like, where does that go? Well, right. I think the article, what, what I've said, and I've written an article on the death penalties, I came out against the death penalty recently when I realized that in five or 10 years, we're going to have the 
technology to be able to change people's brains to make them nicer mm -hmm. through implant technology. I thought instead of killing someone who's done, a, let's say, heinous murders and are on death row, we should give them the option to have their memory, their their mind mm -hmm. wiped, lobotomized essentially, to live a life that is peaceful, a life that is different. They'll probably fundamentally become a different person. Now, they'll also have the choice to be killed and just you know die on death row, sure. or they would have the choice. So I definitely leave the choice. As a libertarian, I'm always gonna leave the choice, but I, I think you know, even beyond being a libertarian, I'm still foremost somebody who wants to preserve life and preserve uh, the sanctity of life. And mm -hmm. so therefore, I feel that if we have the technology to make these people become better and that they can't become better on their own, let's just say that's the choice they made, then we should give them that opportunity. It's like a red pill and the blue pill. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, one's not nice, you die, but you know, it, you know, but the other is that you live, but you become a different person fundamentally. Sure. But I'm assuming it's not like you're going to completely lose your memory and mind and everything. It's not like you're going to become somebody totally different. It might just be like somebody smoking pot for the ne you know, next, next 80 years of their life where they're like, I don't want to kill anyone anymore. I just want to <laughs> sit and watch TV or, you know, I, I think we can make people nicer without actually having to completely devastate who they are. And I think implant technology is going to be very good at that. Um, and some drugs already are. But I think it's a choice. And I think, you know, the question is, OK, I've, I've written that article advice for the death penalty. But a lot of people have applied that theory of mine to the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And then you have to ask yourself, well, if I have a bad thought or if I right. have a bad tendency or a bad addiction, when do I have an implant or when do I take drugs to change that? And how far do we go to where like basically in 1984, like Big Brother, mm -hmm. where now we're all lobotomized to believe in something and that's when it becomes a very slippery slope. Right. And um, I think everyone's gonna have to choose how far they go. I've written other articles where some of the new drug lords are experimenting with um, or investing in brain implant technology so that they can download experiences, they can download drugs directly to your brain instead of like, let's just plants from the, from nature. <laughs> and that might be the new world of drug use. But of mm. course that means someone's controlling the content in your brain. Right. And at the same time, is it that different than Apple or Microsoft or Google controlling, Google controlling, you know, the search algorithms and things like that, or Facebook, what you see in your feed so, yes, it's well, different let's right say, now. Let's say you feel like you're getting high, but during that time when you don't know what's going on, you're actually fighting a war for us. <laughs> yes, no, and th and that's when it becomes – there have been some great movies made on that stuff, so that's when it becomes <clears throat> a little bit quite different. Mm -hmm. But I, I think, you know, right now I support that type of technology when it concerns the death penalty because it was either you die or you change. Mm -hmm. But when it concerns, like, anything else, I'm just like, look – you can do whatever you want with your body, but in no way would I, you know, implement that for society. Sure. Um, because that we don't have the technology, nor nor do I want to invade people's freedoms. I believe in freedom too much for that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, I know you got to get going here pretty quick, but I want to make sure we talk a little bit about uh, your your political runnings. Um, you ran in 2016 for presidential candidate um, under your own party, right? The Transhumanist Party. Yes, I was a nominee for the Transhumanist Party. Okay, and now you are um, the gubernatorial candidate for California. Um, so, uh, 
what got you into politics? What what's making you want to do this? Is this a oh uh, is this an actual political run or is this just a way to expand the awareness of transhumanism? Well, I, I would say you know. Just so you know, I really support what we call libertarian transhumanism, sure. an idea of transhumanism where you really believe in a lot of the freedoms, freedom to do with your body, whatever you want, mm-hmm. freedom to have the government outside of the innovation realm. And so uh, the transhumanist movement, though, is largely made up of very left-leaning, uh, I would say socialist to some extent. Sure. And so there's this kind of battle going on right now in the movement trying to you know, gain, gain the power, gain its soul of the movement. But um. <laughs> In my, so I end up running these campaigns in order to – I would love to win, but the reality is I'm not going to win anytime soon. Um, but I run these campaigns because it is a good way to spread the message. It also brings radical science and technology into the political realm. It's like you never hear about Trump speaking about science. You never – before, you know, when he was running against Hillary, you didn't hear Hillary talking about uh, radical science or technology. And yet very few things in our world are impacting our lives as much as radical science and technology. You would think our top most politicians would be discussing it more, would be talking about it, would be maybe even optimistic about it. Unfortunately, they, they it doesn't seem to be a good selling point for politics. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to a run in um, – in probably 2022 for the presidency. I'm not sure under what party or under what guys I would. I, I just, you know, I'm your your uh, listeners know I'm. I was knocked out in the June primaries for the governor's race. Okay. California only takes the top two, mm-hmm. so unfortunately, I haven't been involved in a campaign that could actually win anymore. Sure. Um, because they only take the top two, but I do think running campaigns is good as long as there's a science candidate out there. At least there's a voice trying to bring science and technology into the political realm. Otherwise, it's like nobody wants to even discuss. And I think that's very sad. Yeah, absolutely. And another hypothetical on the topic of politics. I mean, with our basic technology that we have now, I know it's, I mean, it's advanced compared to 10 years ago, but the basic technology compared to what we're talking about, we can't, I mean, right now we can't have uh, an election and have like an, an electronic ballot without somebody tampering with it or something coming up or, you know, that type of thing. What happens when we can tamper with brains and change the way people think? Yeah, well, that that's the that's the huge million dollar question, all the mm-hmm. danger. And I just let you know, when I get a lot of emails from young people saying, what career should I go into? And I always say, number one, cybersecurity. There's going to always be a need for people to go out there and study and learn how to stop bad people from trying to get into your head and your pocket and your life through radical technology. And that's the problem with transhumanism. But it's, you know, also obviously transhumanism is such a blessing because it allows us to have more functional lives and experiment and do all these fun, crazy, wild things. But the problem is if the rich or the super powerful or the super Mm -hmm. corrupt can too easily take over the rest of us, because they have just access to coding or access to technology, then that's no fun. Right. I mean, for me, the basis of transhumanism is it's anti anti me being you know controlled by people. I like technology because it gives me more freedom. The moment that starts changing, though, is perhaps when I wouldn't become a transhumanist anymore. Right now, it seems to be like something that gives me more freedom is more functional. But I think um, we have to be very careful, more diligent than ever that we can control those people who are power hungry mm-hmm. 
And those corporations who want to follow our every move and who want to kind of like literally steal our identities and, and change us. And like you said, maybe put us to war when we think we're doing something else. I, right. I think uh, <clears throat> I think it's absolutely critical that we have enough security, enough software out there and enough people on the right side of freedom that are protecting us. So that technology is always something that's beneficial. And I just so you know, I'm, I, I believe it's going to be beneficial, but you know, nobody knows yet. (laughs) This is not a decided thing. This could end very badly. (laughs) I could be somebody who gets condemned late in 20, 30 years as someone who's leading, trying to lead a movement, you know, and that ended up very, very badly. And the, I the irony that, that, of of atheist Zoltan being crucified on a cross for his beliefs. <laughs> of course, no. These these are these are. I get death threats all the time, and I really? take them very seriously. Wow. And it's not just <clears throat> it's not just the death threats. I take it very seriously that I could be misleading people sure. in a bad way. And I understand the spiritual connotations, but I take it even just personally. I I have two children. I'm married. I mean, I I have a normal life. If I was to do something where my daughters would then be in a world that I didn't approve, I didn't like, I'd right. feel terrible. So I'm, I know a lot of people think, oh, here's this guy p- pushing to become a machine, but it's, <laughs> it's not exactly like that. It's humanity first, let us evolve. If we can evolve and become better, then that's good. Right. And transhumanism is leading a good way. Science and technology have broadly been very useful for humanity. It doesn't mean just because it's been useful for the last 50 years or 100 years, it's going to continue. Um, we have to be very, very cautious at every step of the way. Yeah, absolutely. So so where do you see us 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Do you have like, can you envision what things are going to look like in that, that amount of time? Well, I think the 20-year future is, is more interesting. I would say sure. in the 20-year future, we're going to have body shops, meaning that like auto shops that are everywhere – We'll have body shops where we can go in and start getting modified. People by then will have a dramatic amount of organs that are bionic. And, you know, most people die because of organ failure, um, heart attack or some other kidney failure, whatnot. So if you can have bionic organs, and there are, there are dozens of companies that are already replacing various organs with bionics, with um, stem cell technology, with 3D printed organs mm-hmm. that are, you know, rejuvenated. <clears throat> the point of the story, though, is that all these different things require some type of healthcare system or not system, but kind of new radical transhumanist medicine Mm -hmm. where people are going to make a lot of money. A brand new economy can form just because the human bodies become somewhat like formula one racing where you can interchange parts, including arms. If you want to be in construction or, um, you know, your ears and hearing abilities through implants, if you want to be a symphony writer or something like that, or just, you know, even podcasting, something in your head that's much more simple to directly connect to my mind. I know we talked about that earlier. That's crazy, but no listening. You just absorb it into your existence. No. (laughs) And a lot of, you know, already there are six universities or companies out there working on the robotic eye where you can download Facebook. You can download Netflix through that eye. You can goes directly into your optic nerve. And it's a very functional thing because you're, you can see like poisonous gases. You walk into a room where your child is sleeping and you see carbon monoxide in the air. Our, our eyes can't see you know, anything right now. Our eyes see 1% of the light spectrum. Mm-hmm. But in a real world, you would be able to die. You'd be able to see a poisonous spider on the wall 50 feet away in the dark. Right. And that's the, that's, the, that's the functionality of it. And if you have a child sleeping in a crib, that's very, very important. Right. So these are kinds of things that are coming in the 20-year future. Um, even if they seem very radical, 
but I think we will already by then be quite transhuman. Um, but it's really the AI age, and that will probably happen within a 20-year time frame too, that we have to choose as a civilization how far do we merge with the Borg? <laughs> how sure. far do we become to a machine? It's one thing to have a robotic eye and still have flesh and be human and get married, have right. kids and all this other stuff. It's another thing to say now, wow, I'm connected now every second of my life to the machine. That's when I think we become a different species, essentially. And is that bad? Or is that, I mean, is it wrong to cut it off if it makes us better, uh, a better society? I, I would say it's right. But what's going to, as you know, mentioned before, what's going to be most important to me is that we retain our humanity sure. and that the machine doesn't say to us, oh, now that you're a machine, you can think like, you know, a machine and we screw that old biological stuff. Right. I'm not willing to cross that line yet unless there's reason or rationality behind it. And I think that's a very important part of becoming a machine. I'm hoping that we'll make machines that can love and have empathy and communicate. And if we become them, we'll, we're more, you know, I, I'd say, you know, to, you know, if you just want to even talk about Christianity or theology, we'd become more wholesome mm -hmm. as human beings, even if we are no longer human beings. Sure. But at some point, <laughs> if we become cold and calculated, then um, and only rational and only reasonable and only making decisions on pure numbers, mm -hmm. that could become very dangerous, um, and that could be definitely the end of humanity. And I'm not willing to cross that yet. Sure. Um, I don't think I I can't imagine a point have being a father of two daughters that I want to ever do that. But at the same time, um, you know, I also want to keep my mind open and say, you know. We don't know where evolution's going. Maybe there's a grander sense of sure. the entire species than I've ever seen before. And uh, maybe there's a lot of learning I have left to do. Again, I, the, you know, with your listeners, the one thing I want to leave people with is our brain is three pounds of meat. Right. The things we might create are going to be a million times smarter than ours, than mm -hmm. us. And if they're a million times smarter, they might see things quite differently, different colors, uh, different senses, different ideas of reality. And so I try to keep that all in perspective, but um, I also don't want to go down in history as that guy who <laughs> led us down the dark path right. and look where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I know you got to get going, but um, is there any talk of a presidential run for the next, the next go around? <coughs> well, I would like to do it in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. Uh, I don't know exactly the format of that yet. It's not something that would be announced in the next at least two or three months. But I am thinking about it. I'm dealing with some advisors. We're looking at all sorts of issues. It's in the. It's definitely in the cards, mm -hmm. and I would be very excited about it. Right now, though, it's. I don't really have more information about it <laughs> at the moment. Is it's just. Uh, it's a. It's hard to run campaigns. Uh, you know, my wife is always like, oh, wow. You know, camera crews are inside the house. Uh, my mm -hmm. kids love it because I get to, you know, see a lot of new people in new places. <laughs> but really, it's it's pretty strenuous. Sure. It costs a lot of money, too. Uh, I get older. Every If you look at the, the before and after photos, it's really easy to say, oh, he must have had a political campaign for two years because right. look how much older he is. <laughs> There's just a lot of stress. Yeah, I can imagine but so. I, I would look forward to doing it if I do it. Uh, it's just more a matter of I gotta. I'm still debating whether this is a good time or it might have to wait till 2024. I wouldn't have any chance of winning this time around. Sure. The goal, though, is by 2028, 2032, 
Maybe I've become enough of a national figure. Maybe the movement has caught on enough. Maybe there's been enough synergies. Maybe the robots American. around the world by then. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And maybe then they'll be like, look, here's this guy who's been talking about it for 30 or 20 or right. 30 years. And he's always been decent. Let's <laughs> let's give him a shot. And th- that's that's, you know, really the, the long it, that's the long game. Sure. Right now, the short game is just to make sh- try to get other politicians. You know, my dream is to be in a debate with Trump where I could just ask some science questions yeah, and sure. see, you know, how can you make the world a better place through science and technology? Wouldn't it be great if you talked about science and technology more? You know, yep. those would be, that, that's, that would be a great goal for, for now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%. I, I look forward to uh, keeping an eye on you in the future. But let everybody know where they can find out more information about you, your campaigns, your book, the documentary you got coming out, which we didn't even have a chance to talk about. But they can check it out. Let them know where they can find all that stuff. Sure. My uh, website is ZoltanIshwan.com. The novel I wrote is The Transhumanist Wager. Um, I also have actually a a, a book, a nonfiction book coming out here probably in the next three to four weeks. Um, And it'll be just a collection of my essays and other notes that I've written on transhumanism. And uh, yeah, just Google, Google, you know, if you, I've written over 200 essays over the last few years. So if you, if you have an idea about transhumanism, Google my name, and that topic, let's say brain implants and Zoltan, or cryonics and Zoltan, or exoskeleton suits for disabled people and Zoltan, and you, it'll come up. Because uh, I was a columnist for Vice, HuffPost, Psychology Today, TechCrunch, everywhere. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, lot of stuff in the system. So that's where you can find me. Absolutely. Well, uh, I, I got to say, you know, th- this whole topic... I love it. It's fascinating. The science fiction person in me is like, let's think about all these different options and where they could go and take them down their paths. I mean, the conspiracy guy in me is like, nope, one world order, uh, new world order, one world government, all that stuff. And then the, the Christian side of me is like, hmm, same thing. Um, and, but, uh, you know, the, the political side of me is like, yeah, let people do what they want and let's explore this at the very least. It's a fascinating a fascinating thing that we have to be thinking about because it's definitely coming down the pike and uh, we got to be ready for it. Well, that's what I would say the most important thing to your, uh, your viewers is really is that, th- you know, I live in Silicon Valley and there are hundreds of billions of dollars going to this technology, whether we like it or not. Right. And, um, to, to just sit down and say, oh, this is crazy stuff and not pay attention, yeah. which I think the government is largely doing, is is very wrong. What we need to do is ask ourselves how far we want to take this, create ideas around it, create philosophies around it, create policies, sure. you know, it, it, and not just put our head underneath in the sand. Because whether we like it or not, Google, Apple, uh, Amazon, these companies are leading us forward. And um, I'm enjoying the ride but I also understand that we want everyone to make sure that they're comfortable with it. And it just requires a discussion, requires opening our eyes and saying, okay, how do I feel about this? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Zoltan, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I would love to have you back on again. Uh, I have way more things I would be happy to pick your brain on, but you're welcome here whenever you want, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's been a great chat. Hey guys, thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Zoltan as much as I did. Um, I really did. It was a fun conversation and he was a little bit pressed for time, which is totally fine because I usually talk for way too long anyway, as you know, but uh, he had to go be with his family, which is great. And he was very generous to give me even more time than we planned for um, so I could get all my stupid questions in. But 
Um, yeah, he's a, he's a fascinating guy and I would love to spend a, like an entire day with him just picking his brain on this stuff. I, I, as you probably know, in listening to the show, I love hypotheticals. I love thought experiments. I love just taking ideas and taking them down rabbit trails and seeing like the good and the bad on where these trails could lead to thinking them out to their conclusions, or at least what I perceive as their conclusions. I think it's all very fascinating and he, he would be a great guy to just, you know, have some drinks and shoot the breeze with and talk about this stuff. That's, that's my jam. I love it. Love it. And I hope you loved it too. Now, uh, if you're not already a member of the Downers Club, as I talked about at the beginning, I promised you I would inform you of what the Downers Club is. The Downers Club is our patron program. It's where you can support this show and help us keep getting bigger and better and more amazing guests like Zoltan, Estefan, and better equipment like uh, my new sexy camera that I've got going there. And I've got this new uh, stream deck. I can just pull it up right here. This is what uh, makes it much easier to broadcast the anti-news live tonight. Um, makes it so I can easily transition in between things and makes things run better. And that was all uh, paid for by you guys. Um, and I, I'm trying to spend your money as wisely as possible. I appreciate it more than I could possibly say. Uh, but I, I rest assured I'm using every dime that you put into the show to make the show a better experience for you, a better viewing and listening experience for you and yours. And uh, so if, if you want to contribute to that, um, you'll also get a bunch of bonus content every single week. We do uh, extended interviews with some of our guests and we do game shows and uh, we do the extended anti-news, which is going to be tonight. Um, we, we do a bunch of fun stuff in there and you get that every single week. So for as little as $5 a month, you can support this show and get all that fun stuff and join the anti-news after party tonight and be a part of the podcast, basically. Um, you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash the system is down and signing up for as little as $5 a month. That's right. A cup of coffee a month. And I got to give a shout out to two new members who just joined. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> I'm not editing this. Screw it. Uh, I got to give a shout out to two new members who just joined the Downers Club. Uh, Andrew Sitchling and Nathan Titus both just signed up at the $5 level. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate it very, very much. Um, and to the rest of you, do the same. Be like Andrew and Nathan, right? Yes, Nathan. Sorry, Nathan. Uh, be like them. Support the show. I appreciate it. Um, I, I feel like I've said that enough, but if you, you know, if you want to talk about the, uh, all these things, the, um, the crazy, uh, transhumanist stuff and where this goes, if you want to debate on it, if you think it's a bad idea, which part of me does, part of me thinks it's a terrible idea. Part of me thinks this is amazing and I can't wait to see where this goes. I'm stoked that this is happening in my lifetime, but I do have the, the conspiracy and religious side of me. That's like, eh, I don't know about this. Um, it's a tricky situation, but if you want to talk about it, if you need like a support group or something, you can go join the system is down forum for absolutely free on Facebook. You can just look up the system is down forum, or you can go to tsidpod.com forward slash forum and ask to join. And if you seem like a real human, not one of those trans humans, just kidding. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, if you seem like you're a legit individual, I will get you in there right away. So go check that out. Join the forums. A bunch of weirdos talking about weird stuff. It's a good time. Um, also, like I've mentioned a couple times now, the Anti-News Live broadcast is going to be tonight at 9 o'clock Central Standard Time. Um, 
yeah, if you haven't checked it out, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a call-in show. You can call in. You can even call in beforehand if you want to and leave us a voicemail. A voicemail that we will read or read what that we will listen to on the show. Uh, if you want the number, it's 309-716-3818. If you want to call in right now, if you're not going to be able to make it to the show tonight, you know, leave us a voicemail. Leave us a voicemail about a topic that you think that we should talk about or a question that you have or a comment or anything. It's all fair game. Anyway, uh, so check that out. And then if you are a member of the Downers Club, there will be an after party after that where you can be a part of the entire conversation. You can call in and we will throw you in the call and you can stay as long as you want and leave whenever you want. It's a great time. It's a whole lot of fun. It's a great way for people of the Downers Club to really, uh, you know, connect with each other and talk about things um, in real life with real human voices. Um, yeah, but you know, uh, as you're going about your week, of course, please be sure to like, share and subscribe the show on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and the like, and, uh, on YouTube, I I think now you got to click that little notification bell because subscribing doesn't really mean anything. So click the notification bell to make sure that you know, when we go live, you know, when we've got new episodes out, you are alerted whenever we have new uncomfortable content for you. Also go to iTunes or Apple podcasts or Stitcher or whatever your preferred platform for podcasting, subscribe, leave us a review, leave us five stars or six or seven or as many as you can. And, you know, leave a review that lets people know what they're going to get when they're watching or listening to the show. Do that. Do all of that. And, uh, you know, go out and talk to somebody this week. Talk to a transhumanist. (laughs) Uh, You know, do some research on this stuff. I think it's very fascinating. I think it's something that we should be talking to more people about. Um, I know it's it's going to push a lot of buttons, no pun intended, but it's going to push a lot of buttons because this is a touchy subject for people who don't like change. And change is frightening. The whole topic is a little bit frightening, I got to admit. So let's chat about it. Let's chat in real life. Let's chat in the forum. Let's chat on the anti-news after party tonight. Let's chat about it. Get the word out and keep the conversation going. But... With all that said, thank you guys so much for listening. Even if you're listening for free and not a contributing member, you are contributing because you are bumping the numbers up every single week, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. So if you guys will have me, I will, of course, be back here first thing next Monday morning in your ears with some more uncomfortable conversations for you. Until then, ladies, gentlemen, Zs, Zers, transhumanists, and what have you, question everything and stay uncomfortable. Thanks. This has been a Goulash Media production. Goulashmedia.net. This concludes our broadcast day. Click.